A wise man once said, the future belongs to those who are working hard today. I then asked myself the very question, what is the future of Africa? What is the future of the black continent? What is the future of the black race? My name is Efoso Zaro. I'm the author of Zaro Fury, and you are listening to Zaro Fury Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Ozaro Theory Podcast. I'm Becky, and I'm the host for today. So I hosted the previous episode, and I'm here to follow up from the last episode. So I'm here with the author himself, Mr. Ozaro. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so today is just a bit question, Q&A, question and answer about the previous episode that we did regarding the if the African-Americans were to return to Africa and the steps that we should adopt and things that we could do to facilitate the process of reconciliation. So just to a quick question, right? So it's like if African-Americans were to return to Africa, what are the measures in your opinion or what are the changes that the culture in Africa should adopt or to, to change a way there are our ways and to also facilitate the process of reconciliation. Well, thanks for the question. First of all, African-Americans don't have to return to Africa to uh, fit in into the current paradigm or the cultural paradigm of Africa. What do I mean by that is that Africa is a society that is ruled by tribes, and people associate you to tribe, to your ethnic background and to your whatever uh, tradition. So African-American brothers and sisters are, are blacks, African brothers and sisters without tribe. So um, I don't think it's wise for them to go back to Africa to, to want to fit into tribe. You see, the reason why they stand out as the only black race in diaspora that does not have any relationship with tribes and ethnicity, mm. you understand me, mm-hmm. in, in the context of Africanness, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think it's, a wi- it's wise for them to go back to Africa to fit into the cultural tribe or ethnics. Mm-hmm. African-Americans have to start on their own as a, as a block. Mm that speaks for Africa, that represent Africa from the West in diaspora. And that's what they should do. Wow. And um, they they have to be the face of Africa, in other words, yeah. Wow, thank you. I wasn't expecting that. It's really quite profound. So the next question, so as we always do, we always try to bring in some psychology and how we've said in the past, like one of the biggest failure of Africa is also the lack of psychology. So this is about psychology and quite see your view and your thoughts in terms of the behavior, you know, because if uh, both parties are to reconcile, there is some perception on behalf of Africans and also African-Americans, how we perceive each other. So I remember in the book about the fact that when Africans 
see African-Americans, somehow we see them like, we see them in a way like, well, you guys have everything. You have cars, you have amazing lifestyle. We see your celebrities, how you guys have everything. And often also African-Americans see us like, you guys are quite lazy. You've been sitting there in Africa, it's dirty. We see all the, always the black child yeah. dirty and yeah. sick. So how do we tackle this how you say it? Perception is yeah. perception is perception. You know, you cannot change people's perception. Yeah. And the only thing that Africans and African Americans have to do is just change the reality. If the reality of Africa is the reality we see in Africa, there's no way we can uh, sugarcoat it and and mm. say it's different. You see, right. there's no way we can lie about it. And that's what African-Americans see about Africa that is underdeveloped society. And at the same time, the perception that Africans have about African-Americans, some of them that travel to America, that is the perception. When you go into American community, the perception, the reality is the reality. You cannot lie about it. And that is what they see. So what we have to do is that we have to find leaders that are really willing to do this work. Mm. It's not work for the average man. It's not work for people who are, uh, who just want to tell you what you want to hear. Mm. It's a work that really takes effort and intellectual effort to put things in order so that we can move forward as a people. And it requires a brilliant leader to do that mm. perception is perception we cannot change that and uh, the perception of africa regarding african americans has been there since africa started to migrate to america the perception of america african americans about africa has been there since they were taken out of africa some of them were told that africans sold them is that true in some way yes africans sold africans and uh, that's something we can no longer hide and shy away from African sold Africans and Africans hold African Americans an apology for what has happened in history. Mm. But in in a sense, possession is possession. We cannot change possession. So people can think what they want to think and act the way they want to act unless you, you change the environment. Mm. You understand me? So perception persists from an environment. You know, it's what you view in your environment that becomes your perception. So if you change the environment or the condition in which people live, mm. you also change the perception as well. Oh. So not until we change the environment or the conditioning, we are not doing anything. All right. So in, long story short, you're saying that there should be sort of an educational indoctrination on behalf of the government or the institution to actually educate Africans on the soil about uh, how... African-Americans and African-Americans has to educate themselves about Africans as well. Yeah. So that will require a lot of psychological work and on behalf of both entity. And, uh, and I think that is where I'm, I've been working so hard for many years now to try and, you know, push the idea that we need an Afrocentric psychology that mm. is African-centered. Mm -hmm. You know, the problem of Africa is, is mainly a psychological problem. Mm -hmm. So that is just there. It's the psychological problem that is affecting Africa. Slavery ha happened 400 years ago, yeah. you know, yeah. and colonization happened a while ago, like uh, 
70 to 80 years ago. Mm -hmm. So, but what is hurting Africa today is not colonization or slavery. Is the effect of colonization of slavery? Yeah. But then, how do we how do we decolonize the mind of people who are already colonized? You need good psychology. Yeah. To break that down. Mm. So, without a good psychology, unfortunately, you cannot do anything. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. So, um, what I've thought about is like the fact that even as psychology, we, they know. For example, when someone is about to come out of uh, of jail after so many years of institutionalization, we just they don't just throw them in the society. They have a process of de-institutionalization, meaning that a process or kind of a rehab where the prisoner takes some classes or lessons and they prepare them to come back in the society. So would you agree that there should be, in a way, a middleman between African and African-American. So in a way that an organization or a charity or kind of a, yeah, and I think the right word would be an organization where it sort of helped the African-Americans to understand where they're going in, meaning if they're going to Africa, and what to expect, what the culture is, what has changed. And uh, I think that's a brilliant question. Let me quickly just say this thing if we go to the biblical story about the israelite being uh enslaved or uh the israelite in egypt yeah right mm -hmm. we find out that the israelite in egypt they were oppressed for many years yeah and god has a vision for them yeah and he wanted to free them from egypt and send them to the promised land yeah right yeah but one thing we have to understand that god did not send Israelite to the promised land without sending them the leader to take them to the promised land. Definitely. So someone has to introduce them to where they're going. Yeah. So, and that's why God used people like uh, Moses and Joshua to, to, to bring them out of Egypt and yeah. take them to where they're going. Yeah. So in a situation of African-Americans, there has to be a middleman or an organization, a leader to take them from where they are now to where they're going. Like I said, it requires a leader that really understands what he's doing. Yeah. You know, and that is the only way I can see African America fully settling into Africa. Yeah. African America cannot settle into Africa by integrating into the African tribes or ethnics. Because what that is going to bring is going to create a lot of jealousy and problem and conflict yeah so you really need an organization and a leader that knows what the repercussion and the consequences of integrating people that haven't lived together for a long time right. and try to bring them together so yeah. my philosophy has been that african america have to have their own separate parameters mm -hmm. where they can where they can coexist together, where they can thrive, yeah. where they can create businesses, where they can stand on their own. Yeah. Why are they still in Africa? Yeah. You understand me? Yeah. And then after a long time of being around the environment of Africa, as time goes on, then they can uh, spread out. Yeah. You understand me? As yeah. they like or as they please. But the current situation now, they can't jump from America to go and live in Africa in the tribal settings that we have currently yeah. in Africa. 
it's going to create a future conflict and it's going to create a lot of damages. So you need a leader that really understand what the ramification and the and the consequences will be. Yeah. You understand me? So that we can create a, a situation where we don't have to repeat the, the mistake of the past. Yeah. You understand me? And that is what I was trying to emphasize in the Ozero Fiori talking about the Utopia Project. Yeah. A place for African American to thrive. Yeah. You understand me? Yeah. Why they're in Africa. Yeah. You understand? So, yeah. yes. I'm glad you say that because uh, as we most people know about last year, what Ghana did, uh, the year of return, which we I'm really proud of what Ghana did and to be the first West African country to take the initiative. And also we can see of seeing some videos of the king and some kings coming together to to actually pay their respect and apologize. And I think they've done an amazing thing. But to be honest, if I have to criticize and then you tell me if it's correct or not, I feel like in a way the people on the soil, which are the Ghanaians, most of them did not, they don't or did not still understand where African-Americans are coming from because African-Americans are coming from a, a spiritual healing kind of. Yeah. And they're coming in as the love that they have for the motherland and the, as the sense of belonging, as we say in psychology, every human being wants to belong to somewhere. So African-American, most of the time, they're coming in the in a way to reconnect to the to their ancestors and process of healing everything but i find that a lot of time our people on the soil maybe f saw it as a way of a quick business meaning like quick profit so i think like that would be the only criticism that i would have to say on behalf of the year of return but as you said really nice it's like maybe if there is a a body or maybe there is a, an, a community where when African-Americans come and they can go and feel safe where they can meet their own group, like their own African-Americans in Ghana, because there is quite, quite quite a big population of them now. So if there there is a way where when they come, they might not have to deal necessarily directly with the locals, I think that will help them a lot. Do you agree or not? Yeah, absolutely. I do agree. The reason African-Americans have to return to Africa or have to connect with Africa because they cannot survive in America. And sorry to say that, but fortunately, they cannot survive. They will die out in America. And for the love that we have for our brothers and sisters, we have to remind them that they cannot survive in America. African-Americans are like a tree in America mm. without the roots. Mm -hmm. And what happened to a tree without the roots is when the wind blows that tree, whichever direction the wind blows the tree, that's where the tree will fall. Mm. African-American being in America, they're like that tree. So whoever comes, whatever candidate or president comes to America promise them this, promise them that. They blow them around, they use them, and then get rid of them. So their survival is is very limited in America. But I'm not totally saying that African-Americans have to exit in completely America. What I'm trying to say is that African-Americans need a root. Mm -hmm. See, that tree being a tree in America need to be 
pull back in his roots. Mm. So they need a foundation that can hold them to the ground mm. so that whoever comes and try and blow them whichever way, they can still remain solid and firm to the ground. So, yes, Ghana Year of Return was amazing uh, uh, idea, was, was a good idea by the Ghanaian people. But I felt that Ghana Year of Return wasn't carefully thought about. It wasn't thought about before they carry out the event. Because when you do something of this big mm-hmm. regarding slavery, Ghana is not the only country that were, that slaves were taken from. Mm-hmm. Most slaves that were taken from, quote-unquote, Ghana came from the neighboring countries. Mm-hmm. From Nigeria, from Benin, from Togo came from those countries. Mm-hmm. So, if Ghana were really sincere about doing this initiative of bringing African in diaspora back home through a process of reconciliation, they should have extended that invitation to the neighboring countries as well and said, this is a collective effort and this must be a collective effort mm-hmm. that we have to do to reconcile with our brothers and sisters. Yeah. Well, I think Ghana quickly rushed into it. Yeah. Maybe because of profit, like you said, or business opportunity. And they rushed into it to do it on their own. <laughs> and and the feedback from the year of return, yes, some people felt connected. Some people felt welcome back home. But the overall feedback, if you carry out a survey of african America that traveled to Ghana... Some were really displeased about the whole situation and some find it very disturbing that after 400 years, they, they, they go back to Africa. All people wanted from them is their money, you know, <laughs> yeah. and and how the people see them as a business opportunity, mm. you know. And and I feel that was, that was a bad side of the year of return. And something like that should be collectively done. You cannot do that on your own. You cannot do that alone. But at the end of the day, I still congratulate Ghana for taking such opportunity to do such thing. Try to bring our people back home. But it should be a collective effort. Yep. That's why my theory and my philosophy is that if we want to do something like that, we really need a leader that can pull people together. Mm-hmm. You know, so and bring all these kings in Africa together. Yeah. The reconciliation must be done by the kings. Yeah. It's not the government. Ghana, there was no government in Ghana when the slavery happened. Yeah. There was a king. Yeah. There was no government in these African countries when slavery happened. So if we want to reconcile, we have to bring back the kings. Yeah. It's the king that should make those sincere apologies to our African American brothers. And is the king that should reconcile with them, not the government. Yeah. So that's um that's my take on Ghana. Yeah. Year of return. I think you said it beautifully. Yes. Thank you so much, and thanks for giving the opportunity to host today. And I've quite enjoyed this. Now um, you're gonna be hosting every day now. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes, of course. I love the seat though. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, yeah. So. Thank you. And if you're an African-American watching, we send in your love and we sincerely apologize for what our ancestors done in the past. And we hope you find peace and love in your heart to actually join us in this journey of opening the door and the gate of uh, 
of honesty as we get to talk and get to know each other. Hopefully we get to see each other on the motherland one day. And thank you for listening <laughs> or watching if you're new to. And I'm Becky. I'm here with Mr. Zaro. And we'll see you on the next episode. Have a blessed day. Thank you. Bye. Bye.